0: Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack
1: into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing.
0: Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently. When we're looking at business valuations for the purpose of selling the businesses, I always ask people, if your purpose is to sell the business to a different party than yourself, your spouse, something like that, then that's really where we enter the picture uh, from a business brokerage perspective so it could be for a business sale um, it could be for a partnership owner ownership or there's always the and we get these two and i andy i know you do too is just wondering like what would my business be worth if i decided to sell it
2: in today's economy more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses but how do you do it welcome to the deal board presented by trans world business advisors straight talk about real deals and real people Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica.
0: Welcome back, everybody. And this episode of The Deal Board is part two of our two-part valuation series. It's one of the most requested topics that we get. And the question is always, what is my business worth? And Andy and I get that question a lot. Um, and so we really wanted to cover that, but we if you haven't listened to it yet, jump back a couple episodes and listen to our part one about recasting, because we're going to reference a lot of that stuff here. So if you haven't listened to that yet, hit pause, jump back. But if you have, let's talk about valuation today.
3: Yeah, we love talking about valuation. It is the number one thing people ask me for. I literally just got off the phone with somebody on the way here Uh, To talk to hop in my podcasting booth here to talk about uh, their medical practice and how much it was going to be sold for, and of course he was telling me all the things that were going to be wrong with it. And there's you know cash and there's things that are, and we could talk all about that today. But you know what we really wanted to do is give you kind of the nuts and bolts of how businesses are valued, and and kind of when we start that story when anybody asks me. I want to value my business, my first question always is, why do you want to value your business?
0: Yeah, because shockingly, valuing a business is not done the same way depending on the purpose. So the different purposes of business valuations could affect the value. It's going to affect the method it's done in. And it could even affect what type of documentation you need, whether a a business broker's opinion of value is okay, or if you need a certified appraisal. So on, on our side of it, like, you know, when we're looking at business valuations for the purpose of selling the businesses, I always ask people, if your purpose is to sell the business to a different party than yourself, your spouse, something like that, then that's really where we enter the picture um, uh, from a business brokerage perspective. So it could be for a business sale. Um, it could be for a partnership owner ownership, or there's always the, and we get these two and I'm Andy, I know you do too, is just wondering like, what would my business be worth if I decided to sell it? Um, and we call those uh, brokers opinions of values. And we, we do that at our practice across the country as Transworld business advisors. And some people take those BOBs, we call them, they file them in, in their, you know, strategic planning and may return to them in two years, three years, sometimes people get them and they say, oh, wait a second. I think I might want to sell now when they see that. So those are the main purposes, right, Andy?
3: Yeah. And, and that valuation usually runs in the few thousand dollar range and it could, it could be more expensive than that, depending on, you know, the funny question is I I used to do these and I used to do them for say 2,500, $3,000, whatever it was. And, uh, and so I've gotten caught a couple of times when they hand me like five tax returns and there's five entities and there's mixing and matching. So I always ask the question like, how many entities do you have? Is it one? Is it ten? Is it? But those valuations that we do are usually good enough to get financing. So if you're out there looking for financing, SBA financing for your business because of a purchase or because of a partnership, that's you could you can use. A what is called a a non-certified valuation, a broker opinion of value, but then we get into things that need to be certified, and that needs to be done by a valuation expert that has their credentials. Now there are several credentialing agencies out there in the world, and NACVA happens to be one of them, and IBA, and some of them merged, and the, and of course the CPAs have their own but they have it for if you need a valuation for your taxes or you have estate issues or estate planning where you're going to give some of your business away or if you're going to get divorced and you think whatever you're talking about is going to wind up in court, if you're fighting with your partner and not even a, a business partner, not only your, your spouse, uh, if you're going to wind up in a court of law you're going to need a certified valuation.
0: And the reason that you're going to need the certified valuation, because there is differences um, in what is provided to you in the business valuation that would be produced by a business broker versus a certified appraiser, like Andy was talking about. So business brokers are going to focus really on the market value Um, They're very experts in what's going on in the business sales environment, but you have to remember that's your business being sold on the open market to a neutral third party, usually. Not like Andy mentioned, nobody that you're in litigation with or fighting over. Um, They're going to focus on a multiplier, which we're going to talk about. And a multiplier of earnings is defined by either seller's discretionary earnings or EBITDA. And they're opinions of value, right? So it's not, we and we talk about this a lot, is sometimes your business broker will deliver a range. Sometimes they'll give you an exact value, but it's an opinion of what we think it would sell for on the open market. It's not a stamp of like, if the business um, business opinion value comes back at a million dollars, it will definitely sell for a million dollars. That's not the case in point.
3: And yeah, like evalu- you mentioned,
0: Andy, yeah.
3: Yeah, valuation is an art, not a science, right? right. So if you want to see that in practice, you could go talk to a few certified appraisers down at divorce court, uh, <laughs> and that's what you would use a certified appraiser. And you would see wildly two different approaches and perhaps two different values for the same exact business. But if they're truly doing what's called a use pap or, or or legal value, and there are different values, there's fair value, there's there, which is a legal value. Um, And then there's fair market value, which is what we're looking for. Which is that the definition of fair market value is the value of a business that trade changes hands between two independent uh, buyer and seller when neither Neither have duress is under duress, duress, duress and they have yep.
0: No, it's just always a funny definition, right? Because at some point, one of the parties is like under duress or stress, I should say, to get the deal done, right? Right
3: and even that the fair market value like you said things won't sell for exactly the fair market value because one party perhaps is under duress i just spoke to a, a seller uh earlier today again that desperately wants out of their business and they and they want to immigrate out of the country because they have to go home to their home country and they're under duress to sell and of course that valuation is not going to sell for fair market because they are you know they have um Neither are they have compulsion to sell uh, beyond what uh, you know being able to wait the proper time to properly expose it to the marketplace. But with all that said, let's get back to trying to find out what the fair market value of the business or at least what we think it would sell for in the open marketplace.
0: Yeah, and I think we should start with some key definitions, and i I mentioned to earlier. But last time, if you um, all remember, but on the recasting episode, we were trying to determine what the earnings are. And there's two different earnings that we could be looking at in valuation. So the first is EBITDA, which is a standard accounting definition, which is your earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. We typically use this definition for earnings. When the earnings are over a million dollars, you'll also see private equity firms uh, rely more on EBITDA or buyers that are not planning on operating the business, so they're going to have professional management in the business.
3: And that's n- not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about uh, merger and acquisitions. We're talking about small business sales. We're talking about businesses up to a million dollars in earnings, and 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 we see some businesses that are more than that. Right? We see mm-hmm. all the all the numbers. Inflation is is true in our business as well. So we're seeing the numbers kind of maybe go up to $2 million, but a business, say, less than $2 million. We're going to talk about an owner-operator being able to buy that. And that's going to include not only EBITDA, the earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, plus one owner-operator's salary and perks. And, you know, usually on a business that makes a $1 million, that could be maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of, of seller's adjusted net and it's been and and they SDE they call it DE they call it owner benefit they call it the sellers discretionary cash flow there's a lot of different ways and you're looking on the internet and it says adjusted net all those numbers are the same.
0: And again, in that recasting episode, we went through extensively how do you calculate that number for your business? But Andy essentially wrapped it up with EBITDA plus owner's benefit.
1: Right. So
0: once we have that number, that's our baseline for the valuation. We have to decide what value valuation approach and what method we're going to use to value the company. And um, like Andy mentioned, it's art, not science. So it's not cut, uh, cut, uh, straightforward. It's not cut and dry. There's not one approach or method. So there's three basic groupings of valuation approaches. And we're going to kind of go through in what we use the least amount up to the one that we're most reliant on. So yeah. the fir- yeah, so the first approach, Andy, is the most complicated, right?
3: Right, it's the income approach, and usually that's. Uh, I went to valuation school many years ago, and I, what I learned was I don't want to be a valuation expert because you know <laughs> these these charts and these books and these and these assumptions that they're making in something like a discounted future earnings method or a capitalization of earnings method is very subjective and very complicated. And they're doing research out there in the world, and there used to be these reports that people would go to to decide what cap rate they would use, and they would base it on the public markets, and then they would build it up and build it back, adding risk and adding environmental and adding local economy issues, and really so many assumptions to try to come up with a cap rate, which is basically a multiplier for your business on an income method. And that income, that income they're using is a future income that has been discounted back. And these future incomes are just I mean, you know what those spreadsheets look like.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's all predicting the future, which none of us are very good at. Otherwise, none of us would have to work, right? Um, and it is, it is interesting too. I was talking um, to an investment banker partner that we work with that does much, much larger deals, like five hundred million to a billion dollars, and they're even, you know, moving away from this approach because it is—it's so complex. Um, it is highly dependent on predicting the future, and, and like we talked about. Actually, some of the banking, banking partners don't even look at this method. They're looking at the future method we're going to talk about, which is the market approach and looking at the earnings that the, the sellers are, are generating. So,
3: so if you show up to buy a small business with a spreadsheet that has 50 different tabs on it, that is using some sort of discounted future earnings or cap rate where you're doing a buildup method and you're trying to apply that, what I usually tell people is that's like trying to operate on a gnat with human tools. So you take a little fly, you put a scalpel on it, and you're going to squish it. So this is not a great way to value a small business. It's just not great. I mean, you could take a very simplified, oh, I'm going to do a 20% cap rate, which is a five-time multiple, but that's just a cop-out because that's going to really depend on what we're doing as this is this is an investment kind of approach you're investing in a business and when you're running a small business it is an investment but at the end of the day it's an operating it, it, it you're looking for cash flow and yeah. so we're going to kind of step aside from this approach and then we're going to talk about the second approach which is sometimes applicable
0: yeah. And that one is called the asset approach. And that is, um, you, you might've heard it use liquidation method, excess earnings method, adjusted net asset method. It's typically used when there is no seller's discretionary earnings, or sometimes it's negative. Um, usually we'll look at a business and the actual assets, physical assets of the business are worth more than what the earnings are producing for the business. Um, Andy, I know you just talked about a a seller that's under distress, duress. We see that in a lot of these types of deals where we will just literally add up what the assets are worth, what we think is a fair market value for the assets, and that's what the business valuation comes in at.
3: And very often, the fair market value for these assets is below what they originally paid for them. So you're looking at restaurants, you know, that are selling and they're out of business, which is a great, you know, great way to buy a restaurant and not have to build out. Especially these days, we can be very topical with this, that there's all kinds of supply issues of getting uh, refrigeration. There's all kinds of supply issues of getting workers to do plumbing and electrical. There's all kinds of stainless steel equipment kind of things. So doing build outs is very expensive. So you might want to go buy an old restaurant that went out of business and save yourself a bunch of money and that's what we see but still even with all those supply chain issues i don't think things are selling for say one times what they were originally paid for we had a restaurant that was you know put 2 million dollars worth of build out and the and the next person was wound up bought, buying it for 250,000
0: yeah i was going to say but most of the time it's below 50% or even lower than that. But I do want to say too, that this is an area I feel like most uh, business owners forget about our discount. Just because your business is not making money, just because maybe your business has closed, if you do have some physical assets in it, you can still potentially sell it to a buyer that wants to open up a next generation space and get some money out of the business, which is definitely better than just walking away and closing the doors.
3: Yeah, we've sold several businesses that, don't make any money I just sold a medical practice that didn't make any money but it was a great fit it was a great add-on it was another location for another medical practice and they were very excited to buy it and you know it had long-term customers and you know it wasn't making money because it wasn't being run prop- properly um so now uh, it's being run properly and they can make money with it so the asset approach is again, usually when the price uh, exceeds the multiple or the you know market approach um and there's a there's there's a reason to buy those assets uh we're going to we're going to use some sort of liquidation method um and then there's all kinds of you know there's methods in there there's the the immediate liquidation there's the orderly liquidation there's the auction there's an excess earning method which is even more complicated in trying to and trying to value intangibles. But let's just wrap it up by saying you're only going to use the asset method when there's really not enough earnings to justify what you're asking.
0: So let's talk about the method we use most often, which is called the market approach. And this is, um, you know, if you think about the real estate market right if this is the easiest way to kind of explain it when you price a house for sale you look at what comparable houses in your neighborhood are selling for and that's exactly what we're doing the market approach with businesses we're looking at past private sales um, for data through databases that we have access to we have a private database transworld of all the deals we've done and we look for businesses that are similar to your business in terms of size and industry and try to identify what that business sold for and uh, apply it to, to your business as well. And We're going to walk through multiples a little bit as well as we get further into the podcast.
3: Yeah, and there's there's a lot of things that we we subscribe to that are very expensive for other people to subscribe to. Uh there's Deal Stats which used to be called Pratt Stats and there's a Pratt Stats Hall of Fame which uh Transworld is a member of because we have given so many of these Data points to Pratt stats and BizComps. Jack Sanders does a great job. There's peer comps out there, which uh, Lori Mize is in charge of, which is uh, based on SBA data. So there's a lot of great data. And then, of course, like you said, um, I do have some of the prelimin- pre- preliminary mm-hmm. uh, results of 2021 on my computer uh, that I'll go over. I don't want to go over a lot of the stats that we have at Transworld because they haven't been. Exactly vetted, but it just plays right into what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah. So that market method will give us a multiple that we apply to your earnings. And I do want to reiterate one one big misstep, and Andy, we've seen this a few times, is that these are private sales. So privately held companies, we're not using the stock market and, and price to earnings ratios that you see on, on very large corporately. Um, publicly traded companies, so privately held businesses, and we're applying that multiple to your earnings number, which we talked about before, is going to be that SDE. So, you know, we've got a lot of averages, and it's it's funny. When did we do the two time show, Andy? Is that it was a, a while ago. It was a while ago, and and uh, I mean, if you look back at the past sales history for what twenty years, the average multiple across all industries, across all small businesses, is what
3: two. <laughs> two. And we, and we kid about it. I mean, you could, if you took all of biz comps and you averaged everything, the the median, the mean, excuse me, is just below two. It's like 1.8, 1.9. And we've seen that over the years. Now um, it's funny. We, we, we we're talking about this, the, the SDE multiples have increased just like the housing market is hot selling businesses is hot. And so it has increased over over the years. And as I always talk about the quality and quantity of earnings drive multiples.
0: Yes. So when Andy says that the higher your SDE is, and and we've talked about different plateaus, we've talked about that on, on the show before, and I'm sure we'll do another Um, another episode about that. But as you hit these plateaus, you know, say over a million dollars of earnings, that quantity of earnings will jump you into higher multiples. And then the quality, I mean, I don't know how many times we've talked about books and records, but clean books and records, a a well-operating business, that's the qualitative factors that will move your multiples up and down. Um, But in terms of range, I mean, SDE range, we see generally like one to four times, um, like that average being two times.
3: Right. And so I have the numbers. You don't have them. All right. I haven't even heard these yet. I I haven't. You haven't heard these yet, but it's, it's an amazing, uh, I got to thank Brian uh, from Minnesota. He's done such a great job of diving into these, Um, but Brian, so he sent uh, the average list price based on SDE for 2021. So we have, if if the business was less than 125,000 dollars talking very small business, SDE less the average uh, list price was 1.81 times. So there you go. And then 125 to 250, it was 2.4, 250 to 500 was 2.86. 500 to 750 was 3.62 uh 700 to a million was 3.64 so you see it's this is perfect It just ratcheting up one million to two million 4.48 so you there you go right and in, we talked about multiples of eBITDA can be an average of five and it could mm-hmm. be a range of four to six we're seeing out there in the world but five million to 10 million 5.28 and then 10 million up it was of uh, 5.69. So that's kind of like right out of the book. And it's funny, we've been teaching that for so long, but now we have the statistics to back it up.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, jumping back again, this whole valuation process is an art, not a science. And oftentimes it's very hard as an owner of a business to determine what your value is. I know there's there's a lot of information online. Um, I mean, we even have a valuation calculator on our website, which will deliver you a fairly wide range of what your business is worth. And that's because you really have to figure out that quantity of earnings, but also the quality of the earnings, the operating methods of the business. And it, it's just very difficult to do it on your own. So I know sometimes it's hard to bring an outsider in to answer this question, um, but it's often the best thing to do. Um,
3: Yeah. And, and it, it's all about the, it's all about the industry too. So different right. industries sell for different things, different locations. So you're seeing some places in the United States that are very hot, where people are moving to right now, and you see people that uh, might be leaving in certain situations. So So the valuation multiple can change based on uh, and it can be based on, you know, we're seeing, uh, again, supply chain issues or labor issues affecting mm-hmm. value. Uh, so currently, and I think we're we're well beyond Covid now, right? Right? it's kind of right sized itself. But all those you know, but as we come out of this recovery, you're seeing things restaurants are hot right now. They weren't hot a month you know twelve months yeah. ago,
0: yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where we are today since we are talking about valuation. We'll touch on the current the current marketplace today. And we have definitely we predicted and Andy wasn't our prediction for twenty twenty two that we'd come out of covid.
3: We, we, that is one of our predictions. And it was so funny because I thought it was a bad prediction after <laughs> after the uh, Delta, not the Delta, Omicron variant hit. I'm like, oh, what, we blew that. But look at it. It's it's March and April and boom, we're going to be yeah, out of maybe-
0: Maybe we'll make future uh, predictions about world events. I'm not quite ready oh, to dip my toe into that one, exactly. but um, but even the, we had actually. I, I get this question a lot: is how was the business brokerage market during COVID? And it was very strong. We had a lot of buyers. Um, you know, we had very significant increases in our buyer pool. One from the cash flow, the amount of money that was injected into the economy into business owners' hands to expand by acquisition. And then we were actually kind of the benefit of what they've been talking about is this great resignation of the millennials leaving corporate careers and looking to do something on their own. That was also a flood of buyers. And just like anything else, supply and demand for businesses, when the buyer pool is up, there's more competition for the businesses. So, And we're still seeing that even though we've come out of COVID and whatever, there's still plenty of cash on the streets. There's still plenty of buyers and I don't. I, I think it's still a seller's market. What do you think, Andy?
3: It is, uh, and money's still cheap. So the SBA lenders are still out there. They're lending. Uh, so uh, there, it is still a seller's market. I mean, there are some pressures coming up uh, in the future that we we see. Um, you know, stimu- uh, the inflation. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, the stimulus kind of uh, maybe too much stimulus was out there, and so we're seeing inflationary pressures. Uh, fuel will drive all kinds of, uh, and oil will drive all kinds of commodities to go up and products to go up. Uh, and, you know, baby boomers will continue to come to the market. We're seeing it now. We're seeing them, more of them coming out. Uh, and there might be some tax issues coming up as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to to evaluate in the future, but today it's still a very strong seller's market. There's still a lot of desire from the buyers side to buy businesses. Um, So our prediction for the remainder of 2022 is still a very strong seller's market.
3: And and I just want to bring one other thing up that came out of some of our statistics that uh, Jessica hasn't quite seen yet because we're still kind of vetting them. But what we're seeing, and and you can you can attest to this, I know just anecdotally is that we're seeing that businesses that sell are priced correctly. Yes. And businesses that don't sell are not selling, that are not priced correctly. And so what we're seeing is that delta is really just about 15%. The difference between somebody listing a business and what it sells for, if it exceeds 15%, what happens is then... It has a much much higher chance of never selling, and you know this, right? So, we see, like, um, let's take a statistic: two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars worth of businesses uh, of SDE. Mm -hmm. The average sold multiple was two point four one. I mean, we couldn't have been much more right on, right? Yep.
0: Still two times. And I think that's an interesting point too, Andy, about the overpricing. And we've talked about this on the show before, and we've talked about with clients is you kind of need to get in the psychology of the buyer's head, but buyers don't typically do low ball offers, right? Right.
3: They don't. And so, and just to your point, the businesses that didn't sell, that expired, that, that we had expired, the average For businesses that netted 250 to 500, the average multiple for the listing price was Mm. 2.94, three times. So you're just talking about, uh, that is talking about 25%, 20 to 25% greater than what it should have been. So you're talking about perhaps, you know, instead of two point, you know, little over two, almost three. So that difference made those businesses not sell yeah. very but interesting that, stuff.
0: It's very interesting, but yeah, that little difference can make a buyer an educated buyer surpass your listing um, when they're browsing listings that that little difference also could mean that they might not be able to get financing um, right. on the business acquisition too, which would eliminate a lot of buyers. Right.
3: So we're seeing that yeah. so
0: well, Let's, uh, we kind of gave a great overview and I hope we didn't fly through that too fast, but we do have um, some case studies and some examples. I I oftentimes find this is the easiest way for me to learn. So we're going to go through a couple case studies. Andy, do you want to present this one on the roofing company first?
3: Yeah. So roofing company, New Jersey, sold by uh, Mark Lazarus uh, up there in uh, in New Jersey. My old, or or both of our home state, it was more my uh, stomping grounds, up north. But so this one had revenues of three million dollars and earnings of just about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say, which gives us some do we have the multiple on there or we could calculate it real quickly? Right.
3: So they they it's sold for one point nine million dollars. So that's less than um it's just about two and a half times, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's just about two and a half times, maybe a little less. And um, they had an asking price of 2.3, which was just about three times. Uh, And it sold for, you know, just under three times. So, you know, that's, and and listen, roofing company, uh, the construction industry, volatile on some levels. uh, And um, not the easiest uh, workforce to deal with. Um, perhaps a lot of, uh, you know, specialty knowledge needed to buy that business. So it sold for two, oh, sorry, it says right there, there
0: 2.54. Yeah. And I think that's that, and that's where that industry comes into play too. And some industries sell for wildly higher multiples than others. And, and roofing can, can be a very volatile industry. So, you know, sometimes those multiples may be a little lower.
3: So you want to go over to wellness one?
0: Yeah, I'll go over the wellness one. So there was a wellness center. It had two locations, and wellness means a lot of things, right? right now, but this one was like uh, cryotherapy for you crazy people like myself. That's immersing yourself in a, a tank that's you know negative degrees freezing. Um, but they did infrared saunas, compression, that kind of wellness center, and they were doing just under a million dollars, so about nine hundred seventy-five thousand in revenues, and their earnings, their STE was just about two hundred thousand, one hundred ninety-two thousand. So they listed the business at $700,000, which is a little bit higher probably than we would typically see, but they ended up selling for 2.6 times SDE. So again, right in that general two times range for $500,000. And that was out of Florida. So, but we're seeing businesses like those all across the country now.
3: Yeah, we're seeing them all over the place. We just uh, sold a small manufacturing company was manufacturing... Uh, reusable uh, air conditioner vents. And uh, it was netting about $200,000. We had listed it for 500, so two and a half times. Now, this person was very motivated to sell. They they had just gone through some lung cancer treatments, just had a lung removed. Uh, and so uh, the wife, when we met with them, it was very funny. We were walking around the factory And the owner needed to take a break because he couldn't walk very far. And he looked at us and he says, I'm in no hurry to sell this business. And his wife was like, "Uh, yes, we are. And she said, you get me a reasonable offer um, very quickly. And I'm going to take that offer. So we went out to the marketplace, very popular, right? Small manufacturing, Mm -hmm. very popular kind of business sold over the internet. Um, So it was something that people sold. Uh, It was very desirable. And we listed it for three times, and it sold for five hundred, so two and a half, two and a half times.
0: Yeah, and and we see that a lot. We see uh, we just put a business under contract too. I want to speak a little bit to what some of those qualitative things that get you a higher multiple, but we just put a business under a contract. It's a med spa. Um, so injectables, no plastic surgery, just injectables, lasers, things like that. It has a membership model. So recurring revenue of a stable membership base recurring revenue is a a very big popular ask for our buyers and it's owner absentee, meaning that the owner doesn't work day to day in the business. Um, so their SDE was only about a hundred thousand dollars, but we're putting it under contract for 3.5 times at $350 thousand but that combination of recurring revenue owner absentee even on a small business definitely generated some more interest to trade it up to that higher multiple
3: right and and listen out of all these methodologies and out of all these statistics that were coming up people still want to kind of simplify them right so there is something called rules of thumb now rules of thumb are not generally accepted Valuation principles, but they're highly used by many people in different industries. So, let give me a, a rule of thumb that you have off the top of your head
0: for an industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, there's so many. We we generally use the rule of thumb of two times if the earnings right. below five hundred um, thousand. Right. But you and, know, depending on any industry. So
3: right, and then and then so so many industries. I think I to think of off the top of my head was. Uh, CPA practices. So CPA practices sell for one times one gross time revenue.
0: revenues. Yep.
3: Right. And insurance books, right? So mm-hmm. insurance books based on gross commissions, they'll sell for two times. Now, that has been so competitive. I know, I was gonna say, that's years. a deal
0: right now. <laughs> right,
3: that is a, that's a wicked deal, as they would say in Boston. I mean, so you could probably get three to four, maybe even five times a book. Uh, we see uh, recurring revenue businesses sell for uh, like uh, security alarm businesses. Mm. They'll sell for, I think uh, they used to go for 25 to 30 times monthly revenue, which is three time multiple on their on their annual revenue, a two to three time multiple. You see all kinds of uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, Uh, Hair salons used to sell for 33% of their gross. And why do people use gross? Because it's really a simple way. So we didn't talk about gross multiples, but a lot of people eventually go to gross multiples because they don't want to deal with everybody having all kinds of different things. We talked about how to add back to get the SDE, and it could get very complicated. So people want to use these simplified approaches at 25% for restaurants. I mean, you know, Uh, We've seen something like 55% for sign companies, 65% for signoramas. So, you know, like all these things that eventually come out of so many of those kind of deals selling and somebody looking at the mean and the standard deviations and the uh, median prices for these things and coming up with those kind of statistics.
0: So, I think our overarching message today is it's not, not a science. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but the simpler method, the better. And lastly, get some outside help around this, whether it's you talk to a trans world advisor about getting an opinion of value, um, or you have to go the certified appraiser route because of the situation you're in. Look, you'll get a better understanding of what your business is worth, if it's sellable or not. And, and it also gives you knowledge and power in the future to help you evaluate your company as it continues to grow and expand. So I hope today was effective for everybody, not too uh, overly detailed or complex. And between this one and the recasting one, you have a really great understanding of what your business is actually worth.
3: Yeah. And we'll follow up with this. We'll keep, we have some more speakers that will come in. We'll bring them in because valuation is key to what we're doing and we'll bring some more people in, get some more opinions, so you can hear the going forward. This is not the last time we're going to talk about valuation. Is, we and talk we'll con- about this
0: a lot. <laughs> yeah, and
3: we'll we'll continue to update it, and we'll talk about you know maybe up coming up when you know with your book coming out, talking about how to affect that value going forward, because there's plenty of ways that you can make the, your SDE go up and make your business much more attract attractive. So you can get a higher multiple.
0: Yep. So hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to drop some resources into the show notes too. We mentioned a few links from our websites and others. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes today. And we'll be back next week with a new topic.
3: And we got some great deals of the week and we have some great uh, listing. We have a great listing of the week as well.
0: We do. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold.
3: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And it is deal of the week. And this week, we have a great deal from the great state of New York, the Big Apple. And today, we have Sam Curcio on the line talking about a very nice deal that they did in the service industry. Sam, welcome. And why don't you tell us about
1: it? Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Yeah, this was a great deal with a great seller and great buyer. This was a high-end residential cleaning company out on Long Island, which was doing really nice revenues of almost $3 million a year. Uh, Its SDE was about $700,000, and we were able to get them an offer ultimately at around $2.175, which is a 3.1 multiple. Uh, And yeah, that's a, a really nice deal.
3: Yeah, and it had good books and records, so you were able to get SBA financing?
1: Yeah, so the, actually what was really nice is that this owner had previously set up her business for sale. So she started working on positioning the business for a sale very early on, uh, actually two and a half years before she brought it to us. And so they had all of their books in order, all of the employees in order, uh, systems in place, tracking on their vehicles. I mean, the, the nine yards, right? So um, they, they did it all and it really, really paid off in the, in the sale.
3: Yeah, it sounded like a nice deal. Probably got a lot of action.
1: Yeah, so actually, when we first brought it to market, we had um, dozens of buyers looking at it, and we probably had uh, half a dozen offers come in quite quickly. And then we had those buyers. Uh, we created created a scenario where we actually had a, a bidding war, and those buyers kept up bidding each other. Uh, ultimately, Joe Hertz, who we co broke this with out of the Trans World Five Towns office, his buyer ended up uh, making the highest offer, which was accepted.
3: That's great. And and listen. I appreciate that. We all appreciate that. I know we split commissions here at Transworld a lot because we're out for our sellers and buyers to get the right fit. And it sounds like it was a great buyer fit as well, right?
1: It was a great buyer fit. The buyer who came in actually is in the industry, has a cleaning company here in New York City. And so it uh, it was very easy for them to do due diligence. Um, and yeah, we we're always happy to co-broke, especially with Inside Transworld. And it really helps having other hands on the deal. Um, And it it was done and it was done right.
3: Excellent. Excellent. Great deal. Good job, Sam. Looking forward to seeing you up in New York. And if somebody else wants to see you in New York and sell a business in and around New York City, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, so they could reach out to me at 646-470-9433. You can call or shoot me a text at that number. You can also reach me at scurcio at tworld.com.
3: A great, great job, Sam. Great deal of the week. Appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is?
1: Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. And yes, it is Listing of the Week. And again, we have Michael Shea from World Business Advisors of Central Florida returning as a guest. And why because I love this deal. I asked Michael to come on and do this deal. It is a relocatable business, uh, what we call a throw pro here, uh, which we call trans World Hot re- Relocated Relocatable Opportunities. And this one is great. And I, I really like it. And it's a business that could be moved anywhere. Michael, tell us about it.
2: Yeah, this one, um, young man reached out to us, called us on Google, called me up. I was out on vacation, out on the Cape. And, uh, you know, you never judge a book by a cover. The the, the young man was about 23 years old and, uh, I said, well, I'm on vacation. When I get back, I'll, I'll take a look at the business. went out and saw him and he's doing, he's on track to do just over a million dollars in sales this year. Um, he manufactures home decor. So he uses, uh, CNC plasma cutting CNC or nitrogen cutting CNC machines to cut, design wear for your wall. So, you know, you look at your gate and there's like your, your, your monogram or, or an image It's pre-cut from a plasma cutter. He does a, a paint on it if you so desire, and then uh, heats it up with something similar to what we see with auto body paint shops where they have those huge ovens um, all this out of a 1500 foot warehouse on a, you know, month to month lease. And, um, he started this thing from scratch. Great story. He he evolved from doing it on wood um, with a small little CNC machine that cost him 500 bucks. And he just kind of bootstrapped himself up to a $60,000 machine. And this business is all producing revenues online. Um, Fun. We don't see a lot of manufacturing businesses in central Florida. So when you see one where this kid with, you know, fresh out of high school, just Bootstrapped himself up to a million dollar business. It was exciting. So I just got his PL done for the year, uh, year to date. So far, he's made about two hundred ninety thousand dollars net. Uh, we've got this thing priced to go at six hundred fifty thousand. Um, the trend line on this one will be just north of a million because there's a real seasonal bump, and he's starting to feel it now with the
3: Christmas push. Um, and he's going to cash flow about three hundred thirty-three thousand. Wow. Great deal. Uh, I, I really do like this. I mean, relocatable manufacturing, uh, certainly a niche business that can't be necessarily ripped off. Uh, he, he does a good job of kind of and it's great for an artsy person, somebody who wants to get into a business. Uh Michael, what's the best way to get in touch with you if somebody wants to learn learn more?
2: Yeah, cell phone number is always the best. 321-287-0349. You can text me or call me on that. Email is mike at twell.com or visit me on any one of the social media platforms.
3: All right, come get it while it's hot. Yep. Thank you, Andy. Andy's Family Pasta Dinner. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the 20th annual Andy's Family Pasta Dinner. My name is Andy Cagnetta. We are here helping LifeNet for Families continue their mission of helping those less fortunate in our community. It has been an incredible 20 year run and we are here raising money for LifeNet for Families, a very deserving charity here in Broward County, helping people who need assistance. We've raised over $2 million, and I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody that's been involved. I want to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, everybody that helps us put this together. I am here with the CEO of LifeNet for Families, Dr. Melanie Geddes, and Mel, we're doing such great work for the community. I know at LifeNet uh, you're really busy these days.
0: Yes, yes. The number of people who are needing assistance has increased exponentially. And it's events like this and people like you and our community that allow us to be able to to, to respond to the need. So thank
3: you. Yeah, and that's what we're doing here today. We're a community coming together to help Dr. Geddes and my sister Mel take it to the next level and really help a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for your
1: support. Thank you,
3: everybody. Uh, It's a great time. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Hey there, everybody. I just wanted to come on today and give you an update on the pasta dinner. It was a fantastic pasta dinner, 20th annual. We raised $320,000. That is more than ever. I just want to come on here and thank everybody. I can't do it individually, but I want to thank the committee. I want to thank the people who organized it. I want to thank the board of directors for LifeNet for Families. I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank the people who came and donated and ate a lot of good food. I want to thank all the vendors that came and donated their 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 services, like the photographers and the, and the bread and the, everything. I just want to thank everybody for an incredible day. My family, my friends, uh, their friends, everybody who came out, came together as a community. Uh, Melanie gave a great speech talking about why we do what we do and helping those less fortunate than us. And I just wanted to thank you. So again, the 20th anniversary, it's time to put away everything and uh, get back to work. And thank you, everyone for your participation. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.
1: You
2: might
0: not realize it, but life has a soundtrack. For most of us, it sounds a bit like... But you can always change the
1: station. In hundreds of Delta Airlines destinations, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing.